joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello, everyone. This is the queen of feeling fabulous, Rochelle Marie Lawson, and I am welcoming you to Blissful Living our wonderful show that is all about helping you to build and sustain wellness, wisdom, and wealth so that you can go out and live the life of your dreams and basically become unstoppable. Today's show is, of course, something that um, is is a very good topic and very dear to me, and our guest, is just absolutely fabulous. She comes to us from another part of the country, not even the country, another part of the world. So I want you to stay tuned. This is a great time, as you know, to find a place to sit, um, grab something to write with, a piece of paper to write on, and your favorite beverage as we have a nice chat with today's guest. And her name is Fabian Sandoval. But before we get started with the show and what Fabian has to share with us with regards to the nuggets of gold, um, I want to begin thanking our sponsors. Uh, let's start with All Day Cable Incorporated. They are a telecommunications installation company located in the heart of Silicon Valley. They've been in business for 30 years years, and they specialize in network distribution, setting up your voice, data, and fiber optic systems, your wireless systems, your audio, your video, your speaker systems, anything that has to do with telecommunications, all-day cable is your choice. Their model is they make the right connections the first time so that when you go to reach out and communicate with your customer, your communication is sharp, clear, and the connection is made the first time. So check them out, All Day Cable Inc. at alldaycableinc.com. The second sponsor is Blissful Living for You. It's a holistic health and wellness company focused on helping you to stay healthy and well while you build and sustain your wellness, wisdom, and wealth. They have a lot of programs, and with the changing of the season coming up, there's nothing um, more exhilarating to step out in those warmer months and have that body of yours looking fabulous, fit, and fine. So if that is something you're longing to do or if you just want to make sure whatever you tackle, your challenge, that you're successful with it, check out Blissful Living for You at blissfullivingforyou.com. They have some wonderful programs, and I'm sure there's something in there that you're just absolutely going to love. Now, let me tell you um, who our guest is and what we're going to talk about. Fabian Sandoval. She is an author, a life coach, and a teacher for Insight Timer. Her first book, 28, The Age of Power, was awarded Best self-published spiritual book of the year in 2019 in the Soul and Spirit Book Awards. Her work has been featured in a number of publications, including Kinder Spirit Magazine, Vegan Life Magazine, and Mike Dooley's The Universe Talk. Fabian teaches burnt-out, busy professionals the secrets to elevate their life through restoring their health, power, and purpose with her Elevated Coaching programs. She is the creator of Learning How to Love, a 10-day course, which is featured on Insight Timer Platform. And so she's currently working on her sequel, 30, The Age of Love, where she shares her journey on discovering how to love. So I want to welcome Fabian. Sandoval to Blissful Living. Welcome to Blissful Living. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on the show. We're so happy to have you because we all need what you um, want to share with us. And I think I thought it was really cool that 
um, 28, The Age of Power. What a great title because I'm, you know, it just takes me back to when I was 28. And, um, yeah, I did think I was quite powerful at that age. But it's really cool. First of all, what led you on the journey to even begin writing um, books that basically help us to elevate our lives? Oh, my gosh. Well, um, it was actually kind of by accident um, or by divine timing, you know, whichever way we want to choose to look at things. Um, I was going through um, a fairly rough year in my 28th year, and it was something that my mom had always prepared me for. She'd always said, oh, once you get to your 28th year, it's going to be like your aha moment. It's your power. But for me, like, it was quite rough. Like, I had a a pretty interesting ride during that year. Some amazing things happened, but also some some not-so-great things happened as well. Um, And it definitely pushed my boundaries and really kind of pushed me pushed me to grow massively Um, and at the end of that year a friend of mine I was sat in a cafe with her and she said that she was going to start this thing called NaNoWriMo which is National Novel Writing Month and it was in the November and I was turning Mm -hmm. 29 then and um, my my 28th year was ending and she said yeah I'm going to do this I'm going to I'm going to do this thing and you basically write 1500 words I think it's about that much or 2000 words a day um, and by the end of the month, you'll have a book. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. I'd never written before in my life. Um, wasn't even really something I was interested in. I loved books, but wasn't necessarily a writer. And um, that was really how my path to writing that book and kind of going on the journey of becoming an author happened because I just completely fell in love with writing and the whole process and for me it was such a healing journey um wow with that book um and yeah I just loved it so now you're writing about so 28 was more about the age of power and now um you're writing 30 the age of love what led you to transform um, from power and kind of skipping 29 and going to 30 into a love journey? Well, um, the the first journey was really around... Um, was really around power you know um and and kind of understanding that you know we all have this innate power we have this thing inside of us you know and we we can use that for for better or for worse ultimately and once you step into it and own it then life magical um and and really you can do anything that you want anything in the world um and i got to the end of that time and 29 i spent writing the book so the whole year of 29 i was writing the book so i wasn't really um I wasn't, I suppose I was, um, you know, just taking the time to actually reflect on my 28th year. And then it wasn't until when I got to 30 that I realized that I'd always been fascinated with the idea of love. I'd always been so curious about it. And I I didn't feel that I necessarily understood it. Um, I knew that it was something that we, we all do. I knew it was something that we all crave. I knew it was something that was, you know, absolutely fundamental to being alive and being a human but I didn't I just felt like I didn't have a good enough understanding of it and so my 30th birthday I decided that I was going to dedicate myself to a year of love and I was going to experiment and explore what love was and really just kind of dive as deep into that subject as I possibly could with the view that it would become my second book. So the the teachings and the lessons that I learned throughout that year would then kind of fall into my second book. Um, And originally when I first started it, (laughs) The journey, it's so hilarious how things change. I see it so differently now. But um, but at the time, the actual intention was that I would find love by my 31st birthday. Sorry, by, yeah, oh. by the end of my 30th birthday. So by the time I was 31, after that year was up, I was going to be in love. That was the plan. <laughs> wow. Well, we 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 don't we don't want to reveal the ending yet, but no. Well, that's super cool. I mean, that's super super cool. I I I just um, 
think that's interesting how, you know, you went from power to love and the whole journey and the reason what behind the journey, um, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. Um, but to actually sit down and curtail your, or, you know, journey, journal your journey through that year as you focus on love, um, I bet was very eye-opening and very awakening in some aspects. And I want you, if you can, share um, with us some of the biggest lessons um, that you learned during the year of love. Yeah, I would love to do that. There are so many. I mean, I've probably read about every single book on the subject of love now um, <laughs> in terms of relationships, in terms of, you know, love and its meaning. I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. But I think some of the biggest lessons, the, the first one I would go with is um, self-awareness. So I think that um, self-awareness is something that is absolutely mandatory. Um, when it comes to learning more about love and learning how to love because if we have self-awareness and we understand ourselves first then we have the capacity to be able to share that love with others um, we need to first though learn to share it with ourselves um, and the more self-awareness you have the more that you're able to do that because you know what I noticed was even in the simplest of things the tasks you know just just silly things like I don't know, you knock the glass of water over and you're like, oh, I'm so stupid. You're not being very loving or very kind to yourself in that moment. You know, right. It might sound like a, a a very, like, you know, passing comment, but it's actually not very kind. It's not very loving. And so the more that you can kind of tap into that and get that self-awareness around every kind of aspect of your of your life and every kind of aspect of your being, you can then kind of really get in tune with yourself. And then you can actually start to see where you need to kind of hold that space for others and be compassionate and loving towards them. But the only way you can do that for others is if you can do it for yourself first. So Wow. Okay. Huge. Yeah, that, that is huge. And um, listeners, okay, this is, you know, nuggets of gold time. So if you've been sitting back, relaxing, and absorbing our conversation, um, now you know it's time that you really should start paying attention and writing down and what Fabienne is saying to us because this is where it gets really good and juicy. So share with us um, – Another lesson that you learned, because self-awareness is good. Um, I, I think that's a great, great thing, and I don't think a lot of us even do that, even take time to become aware of ourselves. So I think that is very important. And what you shared, why we should do that is if you can't be self-aware and love yourself, how can you do that for anybody else? That was huge and powerful. So share with us another lesson that you learned. Okay, so this one is just one of my favorites. It will change your life, I believe, um, and it's 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 just so necessary. I wished I wished that in schools they gave people this book, and then we were able to learn from it and understand it from a much younger age. Um, but it would be attachment styles. So there is something called attachment theory, and each one of us has a attachment style. And that attachment style comes from, uh, well, really from childhood. Um, it can be changed later in life if we have some kind of a traumatic experience that kind of switches things up. But ultimately, we all have a specific attachment style. Now, there's only three of them. Um, the first one is secure, which around 50% of people are. The second one is anxious. Uh, which is around, I think, about 20, 25% of people, 20 to 25%. And then the other one is avoidant, which, again, is around 20, 20%. Um, and then there's a very, very small percentage of people that are kind of a mixture between anxious and avoidant. Now, oh, wow. Yeah. So these attachment styles really helped me to understand, one, who, like, what my style which happened to be anxious and understand the reason that I was anxious which was to do with uh, the fact that my dad had left around the age of 14 so kind of you know typical kind of like abandonment 
issue which then made me anxious in relationships because obviously the the first relationship with the man that I'd ever had, which would have been my father, he left. So I was always entering relationships feeling anxious that the other person was going to leave. And mm. um, it wasn't until I understood attachment styles that I actually realized that I was anxious and actually I could normalize that. So instead of feeling like once I got into relationships, I become like really unhinged and not this secure person that I wanted to be. It actually mm-hmm. normalized it for me and made me realize like I'm do this is for a reason and it's because of my attachment style and now I can learn to manage that and to actually use that in a positive way as like my vulnerability and then in that way it can allow people to actually love me more um, instead of kind of shying away from it and being like, oh no, this is my shadow and I, I don't like it and I don't want to be like that actually to embrace it and say like well this is what has happened to me in the past and this is how this is how I am but actually can kind of own that um, and interestingly I mean for the, for the secure people they don't really have too many uh, when it comes to attachment styles secure people are you know secure so you know it kind of says it all <laughs> but for the, for the anxious and avoidant people it's so interesting because they typically attract one another so an anxious person who you know is really desiring um deep intimacy and connection um will typically attract an avoidant person who wants kind of freedom and space so they actually rub each other up the wrong way and when i looked back across my history of all of my relationships every single person that i had ever been with was always an avoidant person, which was completely <laughs> the wrong match for me. I mean, completely incompatible. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm, what a trip. I'm, as you're talking, I'm, you know, scrolling through, through, you know, m- relationships, and it's like, oh, wow. And then I'm really scrolling through myself, and I'm like, which one am I, right? Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. Very. So, like, so... I guess the person that's secure is good for both the avoidance um, attachment style person as well as the anxious style attachment style person. Exactly. And actually, it's been proven. So if you had two secure people together, um, you know, that would happen be effectively like a healthy relationship but as either like a anxious person or avoidant person if you enter a relationship with a secure person you will have the same level of relationship as two secure people together so there is definitely hope you know in terms of us having um you know healthy positive relationships um and as well not to say that actually an avoidant person and anxious person can't be together it's that you really need to understand one another so that you can, you know, so as an anxious person, maybe I can give someone space and as, you know, an avoidant person, they can give someone more, you know, intimacy and closeness. Right. Wow. Wow, that's huge. That's, wow, that's, wow. Okay, so um, is there one more that you want to share with us? Okay. Um, let's see. Or how about this? How about this? I think that. How about this? I want to ask you this first, and then if if we have time, you know, we can always go back. But I want to ask you this: What do you think is the biggest challenge to love or relationships in our world today? You know, you you've talked about um, you know our self awareness and and really being self aware and loving ourselves so that we can stand up and and be that for other people. And then you talked about our attachment styles, which was extremely interesting and, um, you know, very unique, but very interesting and and mind, not even mind-boggling, but anybody can understand what you're saying and probably can apply the information to themselves. But as far as, you know, what do you think the biggest challenges are to, to love and relationships in our modern day time, even though someone might have this information that you just shared, um, what is something that they're probably almost everybody today is going to suffer and have difficulty with in our modern times? Oh, this is such a good one. Um, I think it's technology. So, I mean, obviously technology is a wonderful thing, but when it comes to relationships, I'm not sure that we are actually 
using it appropriately. Um, I see a lot of people complaining how, you know, their partner is always on their phone, they're not getting any quality time together um, because, you know, when they're actually together, everybody is so addicted to their phones and to technology that they're not actually having that special one-to-one shared time with each other. Um, And I think that we are kind of, because of that, losing our ability to actually um, communicate um, in person and effectively. So, you know, you see people that, you know, they'll just send a text. But, you know, like, what about actual conversation, actually seeing the person face-to-face and having, having you know, like a deep conversation with them, especially when it comes to things like maybe problems stuff like that it can't be done via text and and sometimes that actually like escalates the issue more because the form of communication in which you're using is not appropriate so i think that's a big big challenge for us in this kind of like modern day world for sure well i i can attest you know i was there's times when i have um been out to dinner and we'll look at the table next to me and it's obviously a couple you know, out to dinner, whether it's a husband and wife or a couple dating or, you know, young person, old, even older people, it, it just trips me out. And they will be sitting there, won't even be conversating, just sitting there with, on their phones, texting or looking at social media or whatever. And I thought, wow, you know, things have really changed. And to put it even fast forward, to put it into a context of what you're saying about difficult conversations, I had a friend who was dating a guy and um, and it, this is kind of funny, but here in the U.S., April 1st is April Fool's Day. So it's kind of like, you know, people play a lot of jokes and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, practical jokes. Well, it was April Fool's Day, and she was dating this guy, and he sends her a text and says, I want to break up. I want to, you know, have my space, and um, and I'm, you know, want to see other people. And, 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 she was, and she was at work, and so she thought, well, God, he it's got to be April Fool's joke, right? And so she was like, she she texted back to him like, well, you know, happy April Fool's to you. And he texted back, no, I'm serious. I really want it. It has nothing to do with April Fool's. And she was like devastated because she was like, well, at least he could have had a conversation with me. And, and I'm like, wow. So when you say that, you know, um, our technology is the biggest problem, um, I, I can adjust. I even had some millennials. I was having a conversation with them, and and th- these were girls, and they're like, "Mom, I just mom." Well, one was my daughter, but they were the, the young ladies were saying that they didn't believe that in today's society that the guys out there are trustworthy or the women out there are trustworthy because everybody's on social media and everybody's. Um, not necessarily faithful when they're on social media, and it's so easy to cheat. And I'm, <clears throat> and I, I thought about that, and I'm like, wow. Back in my day, you know, we still had the phone that was connected to the wall. You didn't, you went everywhere. You had no cell phone, no, you know, no pager, no nothing. Um, it, it was just complete, a completely different world. And so, um. Very interesting that you say that you see that as the biggest challenge in today, not only with love, but just I think in relationships in general. Definitely, you, yeah, definitely. Right, and I, I can resonate for sure with those stories that you were sharing because it's the same what I hear from my group coaching. Um, you know, ladies, and and they're sort of sharing with me, you know, oh my gosh, this guy did this. I can, you know, the same thing that you said that you know broke up over a text message. I'm like, I didn't know that people did. You know, these uh, just because we have that option doesn't mean it's the most effective one. And definitely, you know, if you've been dating someone or you know you've been in a relationship with someone, they definitely deserve more than just a text message. I agree. I mean, I have even heard of stories of people texting their boss and quitting the job. <laughs> I, I mean, that's how ridiculous it's gotten. <laughs> No, right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, really? So um, it's very interesting. Okay. So now, you know, when you talked about self-awareness, you mentioned that, um, you know, being self-aware is actually opens us up for space to allow us to um, realize how much we love or how much love we're showing to ourselves just by some of the things that we say or the thoughts that come to our head that we allowed to 
um, sink in or maybe absorb that thought, you know, really shows when we're self-aware how much we love ourselves. My question now to you is why is loving ourselves or why is loving yourself such a difficult thing to do? Mm, well, I, I think ultimately it comes down to the fact that we we weren't handed a blueprint at birth, you know, like we don't get a manual that says this is what you need to do. Um, all of, I mean, what I discovered for myself in terms of like my capacity to love was, you know, it, it was all stemming from my childhood you know like I the people that around that were around me were the people that taught me how to love um what our parents do um and the people that grow us up uh, bring us up they are the ones that kind of teach us we learn those habits of kind of how to love from them um and you know our parents don't have like a blueprint of how to do that um right. and so it's really you know it's really it, it makes it much more difficult for us to to love ourselves. I mean, I was really extremely blessed because I did grow up in a very loving household. Um, my mom was amazing. She used to make me and my sisters actually kiss each other every morning, give each other a kiss and a hug every morning when we got up out of bed and before we went to bed at night. Like, that was like a routine. So, you know, I did, I, I did get, yeah, it was so cute, honestly. And we still love each other so much now and we're so, like, affectionate in that way. So I think, you know, there's certain things that you learn um, from childhood about how to kind of love and then that kind of goes into how you how you see yourself and how you love yourself and kind of the thoughts that you believe about yourself. But, yeah, I think it's just very difficult because there is no blueprint. And if you grow up in, you know, a traumatic um even if it's not a tra traumatic upbringing, but there's certain parts of it that are very traumatic. That can really right. affect the way that we see ourselves. That can affect us from a self-worth perspective, which is huge when it comes to loving yourself. I mean, you can't... It's very difficult to have kind of love and compassion for yourself if you don't believe you're worthy of it. Right. Right. Very, very true. Wow. Um, and that's, you know, another negative goal there is just, you know, there's no blueprint. Um, not something that's talked about in school, really. I, I mean, I can't remember any of my education um, where it, it was, you know, anything teaching me about self-love. You know, not it was a specific class I took once I was grown and, you know, doing my own thing that piqued my curiosity and it was talked about self-awareness or self-love or something like that. But, um, very interesting. We do learn from what we see as children and what we experience, good, bad, or indifferent. So um, you would think loving ourselves would be such an easy thing for us to do, but uh, for some it's so difficult, you know. And some people don't even know where to begin or or are even aware that they're not loving themselves. And so hopefully our conversation today is, you know, peaking curiosity and awakening you know, all of us to the fact that we may not be as loving to ourselves as we think we are, or we may not even really be loving ourselves. And just, you know, once you become aware, you can definitely make the change. So I love that. I want to now ask you, how does, um, how does love ask us to step outside of our, our own comfort zones? You know, when you, when you have that little tingly, that, that four-letter word, love, you know, you sometimes do things that you probably wouldn't ordinarily do. So um, how does it ask us to do this, and why do we do it? Yeah. Wow. Oh, gosh. Um, well, there's a... Um there's a book uh, on love languages, and it's by Dr. Gary Chapman, and he actually talks about the fact that, you know, typically in love we have this kind of like maximum sort of two-year period where we are kind of in that rose-tinted glasses, you, it's your honeymoon phase, and that can last up to about two years. Sometimes it's less than that, but typically it's around a two-year kind of mark. Um, and so while we're inside that period, it's really easy for us to step outside of our comfort zone because we see everything as being kind of like wonderful and our partner can't, you know, we can do, you know, we, there's there's nothing that we can't do for our partner and it's so, it's so easy, it's effortless and, you know, everything is kind of just wonderful. Um, 
<laughs> but I think that um, love really asks us to step outside of our comfort zone when we actually push past that boundary because that's typically where people start to kind of, I guess, their relationship starts to fall apart. Things aren't as easy anymore. Like we can't, we're not just giving lovers freely because obviously, as you as you go on in time in a relationship, you know, then you remember, oh yes, I have needs and I have things that I need to do and I have, I don't know, maybe work, I have business, I have career, I have, we have children. There's all of these different things that start to come into the mix. Um, but I think that the way that love really asks us to kind of step outside of our comfort zone um, is really through being vulnerable. Um, and that's a difficult thing. It's very hard to, to be vulnerable um, and to kind of allow yourself to be seen like all of yourself to be seen so right. not necessarily just the good parts of you but those shadow parts of you as well that really need to be loved too um, and that can be scary putting yourself out there and saying this is like kind of you know th- this is the other side of me you know are you going to love that too um, right and um as well, like I think it's about learning to kind of um, let go of control because ultimately in love we, we, we don't, I mean in life, we don't have control of really anything. Um, and so it's really about surrendering to the experience of love. Wow. Wow. I, I, beautiful. Yeah, beautifully stated. Um, didn't have me thinking, you know, just... Mm you know, the, the, about the different phases or rather that little first phase of the honeymoon phase. And, you know, you do typically see that in people's relationships. In the first zero to two years, it, it, everything is about that other person. And then, you know, beyond that, like you said, things happen. Um, you know, people get busy or, you know, there may be children that come into play or, you know, careers become more demanding and, it's just really interesting the how it flows into the phases of life, I guess. The ebb and flow of everything, and it just everything flows flows into the phases of life. So this is kind of beautiful to look at and reflect upon. You know, it really is. So now, Fabian, I want to ask you, um, with regards to a wonderful conversation that's so, it's just so beautiful and yummy. You know, as you know, our show here is really about helping to, you know, helping people to basically overall reduce stress in many aspects of their life. And I know when people um, are basically out there searching for love or looking for love, it can be kind of a little stressful thing. Can you share with the listeners how people can reduce the stress that they may feel with regards to the love in their lives. Yeah, this is a this is a very good question. Um, I think that in order to reduce the stress in our love life, um, we need to learn how to kind of fill up our own cup first of all. Um, I think a lot of the the stresses that come in relationships is because we put the the kind of uh, the onus on the other person to kind of give us everything. You need to make me happy. You need to provide for me. You need to be a good parent. You need to do this, that, the other. And we kind of outwardly tell it to the other person, like, you need to do this for me. Um, and that's kind of what we see typically in relationships. But mm-hmm. I think that the um, the way to you know reduce stress is actually to alleviate your partner from those from those needs from those requirements, and actually to look to yourself. So if we can start with ourselves and say, okay, what do I need to put in my cup? Like in the morning, what do I, when you wake up in the morning, you know, we usually make tea or a coffee or something like this, and then you know, we'll, we'll have that drink and it's going to nourish us in some way. When we, you know, it's going to give us. Energy, right? <laughs> But, um, right. you know, we need to think in terms of in the morning, we need to think of our cup. We need to say, well, what do I need to put in my cup for me today? So it's not about saying to your partner, you know, to do these things for you or to make you feel better or to make you happier. Or to do. It's about, no, this is my cup. Do I want to put happiness in my cup today? Is that what I'm really needing? Do I need to put, you know, um, compassion in my cup? Do I need to put um, kindness in my cup? 
do I actually need to put rest in my cup? Do I actually just need to do nothing? And like today, I'm just going to actually allow myself. I'm not going to feel guilty about that. I'm just going to allow myself that. Um, so I think we can, re- yeah, really reduce our stress if we look to our own cup first, fill it up from there. Um, uh-huh. And then once we're filled up, then, you know, that gives us more capacity. And as well, I mean, it makes us feel less stressed if we're taking care of ourselves, first of all. Oh, wow. I like that. That's beautiful. Another negative goal, you guys. Um, it's absolutely just beautiful when you think it as you were speaking and the words as they were coming out of your mouth. I'm thinking, you know, thinking about what you're saying. And this really beautiful picture comes into my mind and really bright and light, positive energy around all of what you were saying. And it's just, it's just, I think, in our society today, with all that we have going on, what you just shared is a wonderful way to um, give back, so to speak, to yourself and the person you're with or your relationships um, without um, creating any upheaval. It, it allows you to be present in the relationship and be present with what your needs are, but also be present with what the other person's needs are and really not neglect yourself so much that you're spending so much time doing for the other person, but really um, just honoring yourself so that you can honor the other person. And I think that if people listen to that will would help a lot of relationships that are kind of stressed and tense right now. Um, I think mm-hmm. that it's just a really beautiful, beautiful thing that you said. Um, With regards to the whole searching, you kind of started out a, you know, show about, you know, how you um, went from, you know, being the age of power at 28 to the age um, of love at 30. Um, What would you say to someone that's out there looking for love right now, what would you okay. say to them? Oh, stop looking. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's probably the one piece of advice that like two years ago I would have been like, that's the most stupidest thing. Why would anyone ever say that? <laughs> but, um, the growth that I have done and the deep, deep work that I have done on love um really, really shows me, it's just been so obvious to me that actually the more we seek love, the more that we search for it, the more that we look for it, the more it, like, escapes us. Um, so stop, stop, stop searching for love, stop looking for love, just, just stop right now. I think that what I would recommend is to prepare for love. Um, when mm. we come at, um, when we come at it from the perspective of preparing for love, that allows us to see, I guess, the journey to love um, and the journey to finding like a sacred union. Um, it, it allows us to see it in a more positive way. Um, it allows us to see it in a more fulfilling way that you're preparing yourself for love. When we're looking for love or we're seeking love or we're trying to attract a partner and stuff like this, it actually kind of comes with like this almost this feeling of lack, right? So we're saying right. I'm without, I don't have, like I don't, and then actually it puts you into a negative place, and therefore you sort of push the love away um, because mm. you're then feeling I'm feeling bad now I don't have someone and now I don't feel good about that, um, and so the more that you search, the more that almost you know it just gets further and further. From you. Right. Um, it's like chasing the carrot, huh? Yeah, exactly. You know, and then the second that you stop and you take it from a perspective of I'm preparing for love, you know, what do I need to do for myself to get ready for love? You know, do I need to, for example, just simple things like, you know, creating an environment for love? Do I need to, is there things in my bedroom that I need to change? Do I only have one bedside lamp? Would I need to get a second one if I'm going to be calling my partner in? Um, You know, do I need to get a second lamp so that that's going to make things comfortable for them when we're together as a couple? Um, You know, can I, um, you know, in my home, do I have things that are in pairs or do I have lots of single things on their own? You can start buying things in pairs. Um, You can start, you know, doing 
asking yourself, like, who do I want to be? How do I want to be in a relationship? And then start mm. practicing that on everybody that you meet. So, you know, practice it on your family, practice it on your friends, practice it on, you know, potential people that you go on dates with. And when you do that, that puts you in the perspective of being filled up. That puts you in a perspective of feeling complete. That puts you in a in, in a place of just, you know, joy and happiness. And then ultimately right. you will attract the right person to you when you are in that space. Um, but it's a lot harder, I think, personally, and I'm talking from experience here, that all the time that I was seeking, 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 I was I was never finding. And it was it always was feeling like such a drain on my energy. I mean, I can see, as you were talking about, like the whole seeking, looking, searching, and never finding that feels heavy. But when mm-hmm. you, you know, really let go and prepare, I love that, prepare, it feels so much lighter. Just saying the words, I mean, yeah. it feels so much lighter and so, you know, so happier. So I could totally see how... Um, that other way of being, looking, searching, feeling that whole like needy kind of thing um, mm. would be a detractor instead of an attractor. Now, we're going to move into, since we're talking about attracting, someone wanting to have a, you know, love mate and they're making these preparations and they're doing, you know, the prep, the prepping of their space, so to speak, um, for their partner. What would be some key ingredients that they would need or should have to attract the right partner? Okay. Um, Good question. Um, The first thing I think you're going to need to put on is self-trust. So um, in order to, you know, to, to receive love, we need to feel worthy of receiving love. Um, and so if we don't feel worthy of it, it's going to be really hard for us to be in a relationship and to, to, you know, share that with a partner. So first ingredients is definitely um, self-worth. Uh, the second thing would be um, around being open to love. Um, so looking um, in, and not seeking, but actually like l- walking down the street you know, getting on the tube, driving in the car, going into a restaurant, wherever it is you are, um, being open to love um, and in all the many formats that it comes in and really noticing it. So it kind of goes back to as well what I was saying before around self-awareness, becoming self, becoming aware of the love that is already surrounding you and how it mm. is there and it's present all of the time and it's just a source that we need to tap into. And so you can start so simply with that where it's like, okay, today I'm going to make a priority to find one loving thing. And, like, I'm telling you, like, it's so easy. When you say I'm going to find one, you'll find, like, an abundance of them. You know, there's a couple. Oh, look, they're walking along holding hands. Oh, they look so nice. Oh, look, you just held the door for me. How sweet is that? You know, you just, it starts to kind of flow when you are open to to seeing it. Um, So that would be another good one. Um, what other ingredients would I add? I think as well, just like what I was saying before around this, you know, this preparation. So, you know, looking back over any kind of old wounds that you have from the past and really like looking to heal any um, any pain that you have and, and doing that work in terms of, you know, getting yourself prepared so that, you know, those wounds don't, don't pop up in once you find the right relationship they don't pop up and kind of you know cause havoc um so you know looking back over childhood and traumas and um any kind of um unconscious patterns or um you know contracts that we negotiate with ourselves even things just like you know it's it's crazy how we um have these kind of unconscious um contracts where we you know we've had a partner right. before that they say you know i'm never going to love you you're never going to love anyone you know um sorry i'm never going to love you um you know as much or i'm i'm going to love that person they're only, they're going to be the only person that i'll ever love and then you hold that 
and then that right. you've broken up with them, but then three years later you're still wondering why you can't love somebody. Um, and oh. you realize why well, I made a contract with myself that I was only going to love that person. So, oh. you know, there's certain, yeah, there's certain things that we definitely need to kind of break off in order to in order to get the right ingredients, you know, to set that relationship up. Wow. Oh, wow. That Those are many nuggets of gold in that, in the answer to that question. Wow. Just, um, wow, very enlightening. I want to ask you, since we are talking about, you know, key ingredients to attract the right mate and, you know, how we need to be present and, you know, prepare and, um really um love ourselves um what happens when we have someone that has hurt us we have a heartbreak Mm. what advice would you share for someone that's experiencing heartbreak right now and they're hearing us talking about love and all they're thinking about is how their heart is breaking what would you share with them right now yeah, I mean, heartbreak is really, you know, just the most the most painful experience. You know, I've definitely had my fair share of those, and um, it never. I, I don't think it ever gets easier, um, to be honest with you. Um, but I would, um, I would say it's all about really embracing the experience and ex- and embracing the kind of the pain that you're feeling. Um, being really, really present with it, um, and ultimately, um, you know, beginning that journey back to yourself. So, if you've been in a partnership with someone, um, the chances are you're going to have spent a lot of time with that person. You're going to be holding them as your object of affection, which means you know you're going to be uh, they're going to be the person that you kind of primarily base your kind of life around and schedule your life around. So when that person leaves, it does definitely you know bring a, a hole into you know your life, even just down to day to day activities, just normal things. Um, mm-hmm. So bringing you know coming back to yourself and 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 starting to um do that journey back home to you um and holding yourself as the primary object of your affection um and i think journaling for me journaling's always been like a really great tool to uncover like the emotions that i'm feeling and to work mm. through and process them in a healthy way so i would say journaling um i do a practice called morning pages i do that every single morning i just write three pages of kind of just whatever needs to come out um and um that is a very healing process um it, it just kind of sets you up for the day because you can write out everything that you need to say get it all off your mind and then you don't really need to take it with you into the day. Um, and if you're going through heartbreak, it may be that you need to do that practice, you know, multiple times during the day or, you know, morning and night. Um, but whilst you're journaling, I would, you know, it's easy for kind of those, you know, your own kind of nuggets. We've been talking about that a lot today, but, you know, <laughs> it's easy for your own nuggets of gold to actually come through in your writing when you are, you know, uncovering the, motion, the emotions that you have. Um, but I think, you know what, you have to be, um, you have to be courageous in your heartbreak mm. and you have to just allow that pain to, you know, to, to come through. Um, and, you know, we, we all know that although it's very difficult, on the other side of that heartbreak is always, is always something amazing that's waiting for you. Right. Um, right. So you just have to hold that and trust that. Mm, I love it. I love that. That is actually beautiful. Um, you know, anybody out there, if you're, you know, feeling a little, you know, down and out because someone has broken your heart, um, listen to what Fabienne has just shared and listen to it over and over. There's lots of wonderful words of wisdom and nuggets of gold in there. And as she said, you know, um, for every heartbreak, there's always there's someone on the other side that um, is just better than the last person or waiting for you. And if you're doing what she was saying with regards to being self-aware and figuring out your attachment style so you start attracting the right people and um, really preparing 
for love that you want and utilizing those key ingredients to attracting the right partner, then um, everything will fall into place eventually. But as the old saying goes, time heals all wounds, right? Um, oh, so yeah. I love that one. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when I first heard it, it was not, I didn't want to hear that. But then after time passed, it was like, it's so true. You know, it's like some of those, you know, those old sayings that, I don't know, whoever made them up eons ago really um, have wisdom in them. And so it's beautiful what you shared. It's absolutely beautiful. Now, here's um, here's a question. Why do we need to be prudent in how we love? Gosh, well, you know, it's not all it's not all roses, uh, really, when it comes to love, right? Is it? You know, there's there's so much more that goes into into love um, than just this kind of romantic ideology that we have, um, mm-hmm. and it's really important to to take our care with love and to you know to kind of cherish it and honor it and um, do it in a way that is authentic to who you are. So um, this is where I think we come back to, I would mentioned it previously, but around love languages. Um, right. So there's an understanding that we all, there's five primary love languages and each of us expresses love and gives love in a different way, in a different format. Um, and so it's, it's really important to, you know, take our care with with love um, and understand that the way in which you give love um, and receive love may not be the same way in which somebody else does it. So we need to take our care when we're um, when we are, you know, actually giving giving and receiving love, and we need to become more aware of the fact that there's actually a multitude of ways in which people, you know, need to be loved. Um, and we also need to really um, own our own own our own love language, I guess, um, mm-hmm. and actually share that with other people. So for me, um, one of the love languages is words of affirmation. That's oh. like my primary way of feeling love. Um, I grew up in a family where my mom was always like, you can do it, you can do anything that you want, honey. You know, a lot of I yeah. love were said and things like that. So for me, I really need that. You know, I need to I need to hear those like affirming words. Um, and if I'm with a partner and they, you know, they, they aren't giving me that, I literally feel like I don't know if you love me or not, which is so crazy to right. say it. Um, right. You know, they could they could hug me. They can kiss me. They could touch me. I, I'm still going to be like I don't think they really like they really love me. Um, so it's really important to kind of know that, and then obviously share that with your partner as well. Ah, ah, wow. Now you opened up and just another question for me when you said languages of love. What and you said there are five. Just share just with the listeners maybe what they are. You've already shared words of affirmation, which um, resonates. You know, it's like everything you say just like resonates. I feel like I'm just in an ohm moment. And plus love is just such a, has such a wonderful vibration, right? But um, can you share with us the other four? Yes. So you have um, uh, words of affirmation, uh so that's like, you know, words and spoken things, I love you, this kind of stuff. Acts of service, so that's going to be things like um, someone unloading the dishwasher, somebody making dinner, somebody um, picking up some, I don't know, uh, something from the store for you that you've forgotten. Um, you have receiving gifts, so, you know, um, just, you know, your partner bringing home a bouquet of flowers for you or, you know, um, doing something for thoughtful and sweet like writing you a card or a little note around the house stuff like that um quality time which is basically just you know one-to-one time with each other you know 
uninterrupted so there isn't the television isn't on the technology is not on um it's just <laughs> the two of you um and and then the last one is physical touch so you know being held being you know uh, kissed and touched and yeah you know that one wow how beautiful yeah wow um wow i i'm just enamored i mean it's absolutely beautiful but oh i have of course a thousand more questions now but we're at our time and i want you to be able fabian to share with the listeners i mean thank you so much this has been such a beautiful conversation um about a beautiful subject and and everything you shared in the context of our conversation can help all of us immediately. So, I mean, thank you so very much for, one, um, saying yes to be a guest on Blissful Living and, two, for sharing all the nuggets of gold that you shared with us um, as we had our chat. But now I want you to share with the listeners how they can find out more about you, how they can get in touch with you, follow you, connect with you, um, when your next book is coming out. Can you share all of that information with us, please? Yeah, of course I can. So I just want to say thank you so much for having me. It has been such a blast, and I'm really grateful that you know you you, you um, invited me on the show. So I've really enjoyed speaking about this. So it's been amazing. Um, so they can find me a couple of couple of different things. So my book, my second book, The Age of Love, should be coming out next year. Um, but if you go onto my website, uh, fabs thoughts.com um, you'll be able to um, click on books and find out more about that and sign up for uh, notifications on it so they can find my book there um, I, if they need immediate support or they want to learn more about love right away um, I just launched on Valentine's Day um, oh. in collaboration with Insight Timer um, a 10-day course called Learning How to Love. It's um, 10, 10 days long, 10 minutes or 10, 12 minutes a day, and it really kind of takes you through the journey of what I've been learning in terms of how to love. Um, and instead of coming at it from a perspective of you know how to attract a partner or how to you know how to call in the one or whatever it is that we want to say, this is really a course um, based specific, specifically on you know learning to love. So whether you're single in a relationship, no matter what it is, and it actually talks to some of the things I've been talking about today so it goes into depth with attachment styles and love languages um you know self-awareness and presence and you know kind of just understanding what love means to you um so i would definitely recommend if they want to learn more go download uh insight timer meditation app and you can search for me on there it's called learning how to love um and then as well if you want to follow me on instagram um my tag is Fab's thoughts, and uh, I post regular um, positive affirmations. So um, that's always nice if you need a little boost first thing in the morning. Wow, wow! I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna follow you. You follow me. I follow you on Instagram. I'm definitely gonna do that. That's absolutely beautiful. And then Insight Timer. It's so funny because I've had that app forever. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yes. How funny. I, you're famous. I'm talking to a really <laughs> famous person, but I've had that app forever. Um because I'm a, you know, I meditate and um yeah. and I, it, it was it's just beautiful. So I could I oh my gosh. I mean, I've had yeah. I've used Insight Timer in Hawaii. I've used it in England. I've used it in France. I, I mean, I've used it in the Caribbean. I've used it, you know, because it, it's just, it's with me all the time. So yeah. um, one good yeah, thing about it, technology is I have access to that on my phone wherever I'm at, right? Exactly. Well, technology is not all bad, right? We just need to know when to appropriately use when it's, it. Exactly. Um, and I'm, I'm the same. I mean, the way before I was a, a teacher on Insight Timer, I was using Insight Timer myself because I love it because when you meditate, they have, you know, you can totally tailor all of your yes. experience in terms of like the bell that you even have that kind of... Yes, off, yes. You know, there's nothing worse than being in meditation and then your mobile phone alarm goes off and like kind of like, you know, throws you straight out of it. So it's nice to yes. have, you know, 
different chimes and nice bells too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Um, we just gave a plug for Insight Timer, but that's okay because we have one of the teachers on. But, oh, my gosh, I'm just running my mouth. And um, anyway, it's been here, and it was wonderful having you on this show. Thank you so much for being a guest on Blissful Living and for your kind and wonderful words. You're just absolutely a joy. Continue doing what you're doing because we all need more love and wisdom and guidance and how to do it best. Um, in the world so thank you so much and I want to thank all of the listeners for tuning in to Blissful Living please 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 share this show with everyone you love and care about we're everywhere now there's no reason why someone can't access us um, where you can get us anywhere wherever you're at in the world so please share the show it's about love and we definitely need more love in our world I want to thank our sponsors, Blissful Living for You and All Day Cable Inc. Please check out our sponsors. And I'm going to say, as always, thank you so much for listening because the show would not be possible without you. Before I go, I want to wish you peace to your mind, wellness to your body, tranquility to your spirit, and more love to your heart. Have a Beautiful, beautiful week, everyone. And until next time, this is the Queen of Feeling Fabulous, Rochelle Marie Lawson, saying goodbye for now. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, or at healthhealingwellness.com. Or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And, of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.